to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, the Eagles are in town. It was a practice of wall-to-wall action with plenty of one-on-one and team periods. We'll break it all down, highlight the standouts, and give you the latest from player availability. We had Teron Armstead, Jalen Phillips, Emmanuel Ogba, Tua, Tunga Vailoa, and more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So Big Seth, you guys know Big Seth from the Fish Tank Pod. He was getting on me a little bit two weeks ago back in Tampa because of how geeked up I was on the podcast following those joint practices with the Buccaneers. And we're probably going to get a little bit of the same today on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. I thought the Dolphins looked pretty dang good out there. And in lieu of any pressers before practice, let's go ahead and start off right there with the notes, and we'll go in order of the position, starting with the QBs. By now, you've seen the tweets, and judging by the numbers on the tweets, I assume most of you guys know what I saw out there on the practice field, but I also like to bring that little extra analysis and perspective here on a longer form platform. This is devolving into a TED Talk at this point. But I do believe that each platform provides a different lens for content creators. So that's my spiel on why the best way to get the full picture is to absorb it all. Social, the podcast, and don't forget the notebook up on MiamiDolphins.com. All right, the quarterbacks, Tua. We heard from Tua today, and I want to start there. So first, let's actually go ahead and play some sound from an interview that Coach did with Sirius XM Radio on the NFL channel. And frankly, I can't go a podcast without hearing from Coach Mike McDaniel. So this was just perfect timing. Here's Coach on getting to know slash working with and aiding in the development process of his quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, in that interview. Saying it because it blows my mind. You're talking about a guy that has... Really, really good accuracy. You could argue top end. Um, I know I would. But he's a right-handed person that throws lefty. <laughs> and, and, and it's, what? Um, but he has, it has been phenomenal to watch him grow. I'm so excited for him and his opportunity because he's been through it. People don't typically put themselves in people's shoes um, when they're, um, you know, he didn't choose to be picked sixth in the first round. He was picked sixth um, in the first round, right? Or, you know, people don't choose to be a top ten. You're, you were chosen. But that is a burden with pressure. And, and to watch him isolate on what's most important, which is his game and how he quarterbacks the team, and to see his personality come out, and then to see him, I mean, you'll see it um, the second you watch anything on the practice field. Like, he is playing the quarterback position with intent, purpose, a deliberate nature, with conviction. And players are feeling his personality. You know, I, I, 
I couldn't be happier with where he's at. Um, and he's, you know, you're watching a guy become a professional right in front of your eyes. You know, those, when, they, when it clicks, then all of a sudden they're like, all right, their, their deliberate nature of how they go about their day-to-day process, how they're ready and prepared for everyone, knowing that they're in charge of the ball every single play. He's owned that. And so that, that's what I'm most excited about because there, there's, you know, no one sheds a tear for that, that high draft pick. They, they, you have no empathy for it, but that shit is real. Like I, I didn't, you know, that's a lot of pressure, and he is, he is, in all of the noise, firmly not worried about anything. But how can he be his best version of himself every day? So I had to ask Tua about that after practice about Coach talking about him becoming a professional right before your eyes. Here's Tua on Coach's comments. Yeah, I, I think just being able to understand the concepts of the plays we're given on a day-to-day basis. There's some plays that are installed day of, and for us to go out there, you know, be able to walk through it, kind of see it come to life, and then execute it against our, our defense or uh, an opposing team's de- defense, I think that that's what, what he's kind of talking about. And boy, did we see that today. It's funny. I think the work that we had in Tampa was some of the best of camp so far, and this practice today was right up there with those sessions by the bay. And that just jives with something that has stood out to me about Tua since the night of the national championship game back in 2018. The bigger the moment, the better he seems to get. And we talked on the podcast last year about the fourth quarter production, where it ranked, albeit a small sample size, among quarterbacks dating back to sometime in the mid-1990s. It's what you want in a quarterback, right? And I thought we saw a confident, poised, deliberate quarterback today who distributed the football to the many weapons at his disposal and moved the football down the field really every time they touched it. Now, the structure of the practice didn't call for drives to reach like a conclusion most of the time. Like they would swap out units mid-series, except for on that first series where Tua took the team 80 yards down the field for a touchdown, which he capped with a rushing touchdown. But man, there were examples of like the entire catalog of Tua's game within that practice, but also within that one drive. He had throws to either side of the field for 20 plus yards, won a precision touch pass that was just over the arms of the underneath defender and another that he ripped to Tyreek coming out of his break. He had this soft short throw on a ball that was similar to what you saw last year on that jet sweep where You'd get the motion guy, and then Smythe would kind of follow in for a potential lead block on a cutback for RPO and the run part of that option, where Tua would kind of pull the ball out of the belly and then just sneak it to Smythe laterally upfield. Does that make sense? You guys know what I'm talking about? There was one of those where he had to kind of run with Durham and double clutch a couple of times, and the way he was able to just kind of like throw it like a dart, like a short little flick to Durham on that upfield shoulder, it turned him in to a runner in a good position to make a play off of this awkward timing, awkward angle, awkward platform, and he did it no problem with that precision. It sounds innocuous, but it's a really big deal to me to put guys in position after it looks shut down, but also to maximize the run after the catch. Then he also got away from a pressure and dumped it to Savon Ahmed up the sideline for 10 yards or so. They rule guys down where they're tagged off, so it's really even more impressive when you consider that there's really no yak aside from the untouched variety. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on the confidence he 
and his team is playing with and where it comes from. Yeah, I think for for the team, like it, it's the it's the guys that that are helping us get to where we want to go. And I would say it's our position coaches, it's uh, obviously our head coach, who is probably one of the most optimistic uh, people I've I've ever been around. And I, I would say just those guys and kind of the 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 leadership that Mike displays for for everyone to see. That I think that's what gives the entire the entirety of the team uh, confidence. And that drive was after a one-on-one period with some dots down the field, but I think we saved that for the receivers as that's kind of their drill to shine. I just want to talk about a few of the throws that Tua made and the continuation of things I've been seeing slash covering all August and all camp long. Yesterday, I talked about those quick catch-rock throws against pressure where he puts air under it and lets his receivers make a play slash get off the line and just go get the football. I mentioned how consistently IDing what the defense does pre-snap puts you in a position to beat them where they're vulnerable. And sometimes it might just be one of those innocuous checkdowns that gains five or six yards, but how that keeps you on schedule and more importantly, on the field. I mean, you can't give up points on offense and you can't score points when you're on defense, except for pick sixes, obviously, or scoops and scores. You get it. So when they start taking away those short dump offs and checkdowns, boom, you can exploit the bigger play potential down the field. And we saw that today. We saw Tua against the Blitz gain an extra tenth of a second by fading back, lobbing the football up to a spot. And it wasn't a nine route or a takeoff where you just say, hey, Tyreek, there's no safety cap over the top. Beat him off the line. We'll throw it deep and just see where we get it from there. It's Tyreek running across the field, moving towards the sideline. And the ball just drops into this little valley uncovered by Eagles defenders. And there comes 10 running right underneath it. 30 yards, easy as you like, but such a tough play to make. And as Joe Rowe says in our opening, they needed it. They got it. Then there's an overload pressure where the blitz comes from a side of the field that's left vacant by the blitz, by said blitz. And Teron Armstead helps pick up a big block to help this happen, but also Tua doesn't panic because there's a free runner coming right in his face and he gets his feet set and in rhythm and gets this pass around that free runner and there's Savon Ahmed to catch it who kind of bluffed a chip and then got into space and he takes off and he's not touched for 25 or so yards and you know what kind of speed and you know agility he has to potentially make a big play going back in after that tag off. It might have been a touchdown. You just can't tell. There was another pass. Or this was after, I should say, another pass where Tua looks like he's going to load up for a shot. And I love the way this offense builds this in, kind of high to low, where it looks like he's going to take the shot vertically. And because of the way his eyes can work high to low within that same line, you can kind of fool the defense into thinking you're going to go vertical. So you might get another step back from your flat defender or your, your curl hook defender. And he's able off of this play to almost fake this deep shot and then come short to Ahmed for seven or eight more yards. And I really, really, really want to harp on this because I think it's something you can go back on tape last year and find some instances where those reads aren't there and some of the turnovers or sacks we had as an offense came as a result. But what I see with this is a guy who is not just erasing those moments and you'll never fully be rid of mistakes or negative plays, right? That's just not how this game works. But I see him not just ridding those types of plays, but he's turning the negatives into positives. It's been consistent, and I apologize for repeating it every day, but it is a daily thing at this point. 
And I want to sprinkle in some more uh, play-by-play as we go through this. The opening series had a 15-yard strike to Trent Sherfield and a 12-yard hit to Tyreek Hill. I thought there were two balls, well, three, I should say, that Tua might want back. And maybe he'd tell you more, but I, I just, that was my scorecard that I had. And the crazy thing is that two of those were caught. <laughs> they were completions. First, the incompletion, a slight overthrow to Eric Ezukama, who had a step with good coverage. And the ball is just a hand length too far for him to go get on a 50-yard ball uh, down the field. The two catches were a 25-yard gain to Tyreek Hill. Now, I saw some tweets saying it was in the DB's hands, and I just want to make sure the ambiguity of this is all relayed because we don't have the benefit of replay. And I'll put my track record up against anybody out there watching practice doing this with accuracy at the reporting, but I'm certainly wrong at times. You can't not be. But I saw this ball into traffic that was caught, that wasn't caught by anybody until Tyreek secured the deflection. Like Darius Slay tried to undercut the route, and Tyreek wouldn't give up the real estate for him to make it easy. And you love the way he competes for everything, man. It just gives you confidence in him and the quarterback for sure. So it's like this hand fight where they jostle, and Tyreek wins. That's it. I'm not saying Tua would want that ball back, but it was like that one that maybe could have been a turnover. But then again, that's why you go get yourself a cheetah. The last one was an open shot to Mike Gesicki. And really the only ball I thought was uncharacteristically off from Tua where Mike was angling towards the sideline and the ball is high and behind, but not egregiously so. And after all, Mike reaches back and pulls it in like a gimme that with one hand. And boy, the fans love that. But back to the stuff that had the oohs and ahs going. I think that his best throw of the day was a shot over one defender to Cedric Wilson over that little curl flat defender who has eyes on the backfield and reservations for a big play against the back if he takes that that option for the route. But Tua threads this thing over the top of that defender. He tries to get depth, but he reaches up for the football and can't get it. And the beautiful part about it was that it was coming right out of Wilson's break. The ball is there on time, meets Cedric before he goes out of bounds. And the way Wilson flattens his routes back to the quarterback, it's really, really pretty. That was a gorgeous, gorgeous throw. That had the fans buzzing. Like, Joe Rose was pumped up about it. OJ was pumped up about it. Everybody around me was like, that was a great and throw. Let's hear from Tua on those skill players, Cedric Wilson, Eric Ezukama, and how there's balance in this receiver's room. We talk about the speed and explosiveness from Tyreek and Jalen all the time, but how about the size you have with those two guys and Cedric Wilson and Eric Ezukama and how it gives you balance in that room? Here's Tua on the complementary nature of this offense. Makes it a lot easier. Jalen gets, gets Tyreek open. Tyreek gets Jalen open. Tyreek and Jalen get everyone else open. And those, all, all three, all four, whoever's out there, they get the running backs open. And so it, it opens up a lot of things for our run game, and our, our run game opens up a lot of things for our play pass. So everything really complements, uh, uh, you know, kind of the, the scheme that, that we, we play football on offense. And then just to cap it off for QB1, both teams were given a two-minute type of period to try to go win the game, so to speak. Uh, The score was even on the scoreboard. I think it was like 45 seconds, and they had to push it into field goal range from their own 30 or so yard line. And Tua got the offense in position for a 50-yard Jason Sanders kick, which went right down the middle, by the way, uh, with big completions to Mike Gesicki and Mohamed Sanu. And the defense on the other side got off the field on their opportunity. More on that in just a moment. Let's go ahead and take a break right here. We haven't fun yet. I sure as hell am. Gosh, I can't wait for the season, but I also love this stuff too. Let's go ahead and do the rest of the offense here next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation.
We've talked about Tyreek a good deal, copy and paste his work. You already know what the deal is there. He matched up with Darius Slay on the first play of the day, and man, he made some hay. Maybe go eat some clay. I just may. There's your freestyle, Big Seth. Actually, stole that from Happy Gilmore, but I digress. Shooter! <laughs> Told you I was on one today. In fact, let's go ahead and go back to Tua for that first play of the day, talking about the decision to hit that deep ball. Yeah, uh, ask Coach Bev, because me and Tyreek were going back and forth about what route he wanted to run first. He told me any route. I said, what route do you want to run? He said, any route. So Coach Bev jumped in and said, hey, I want to hear the crowd you know, cheer. So I said, just run a go. So we ran a go route, and Tyreek caught the ball. So that was cool. Tyreek making plays. I thought Cedric Wilson was really good, too. I thought Mike Gesicki had another really good day. Trent Sherfield made some plays. Braylon Sanders continues to get open. We did miss him on a deep shot on a ball from Teddy Bridgewater that could have been a big play, but just went long. And I want to go back to Eric Ezukama, though, because I thought he stood out in those one-on-ones with his route running. Man, he was creating some substantial separation. Subtle head nods, good timing with the feet up the stem, out of the brakes, fluid out of those brakes, sinks the hips and really drives into his, off the stem, I should say. Uh, His physicals all get out through any contact. You guys know that about his game. It's just cool to see him continue to work his butt off out here and then have it translate the way it has so far in these exhibition games. I thought Hunter Long had another really damn good day catching the football and working in the blocking game. Durham Smythe had a couple of grabs. When I tell you the ball distribution was on one, I mean everybody's getting involved. Completion's enough for everybody. You get a completion. You get a completion. You get it. The Oprah meme. Savon Ahmed had some plays today, both as a runner and pass receiver. His burst really stands out daily. Raheem Mostert had some good work today, including one play where he won the edge around an Austin Jackson block and was galloping into the second level. Miles Gaskin had a really nice windback run, and Zaquandre White had a 10-plus yard run. I sure like the way he processes, or presses, I should say, the line of scrimmage before making his decisions. He gets up and then bounces that thing out. It's tough to find him behind the wash. And then to the offensive line. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Teron Armstead's impact is something you can just feel out there. And if he's worth an extra couple tenths of second, a second and pass pro for the entire group, well, we're seeing the impact that can have out here at practice against another color jersey. Joe Rose today, I talked to him a little bit at practice, was just saying, man, it looks so pretty when you get protection and you give him a clean pocket. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. That's what we're going for here, right? What I love about Teron is that he has the awareness to squeeze when someone tries to beat him to that inside post. And that's typically a tougher for the pass rusher, right? Because you have that inside post there to help you, another body in there to contend with. However, the way Teron can get vertical in his sets and the quick feet slash patient hands to not kind of draw him out and get him overextending as he gets more depth and lets the rusher get into him and kind of dictate the rep that way and then mirrors that potential outside-inside move, it makes him so tough to beat, man. There was a couple of plays today where I thought he was really the focal point of kind of holding the levy, so to speak, for as long as as it needed to be held. I really liked the way the interior worked through some rush games in the one-on-ones. I asked Teron Armstead after practice, and not specific to Rob, Connor, and Liam, but just in general, the note of those three is me saying I was impressed by their work, not just this particular drill, but, or I should say in this particular drill, but the whole team, here's Teron Armstead, confusing as I just was there, talking about picking up rush uh, stunt game, stunts, games, and twists in the rush game and how beneficial it is to have those out here from somebody else in practice going up against the Eagles' defense. It's a great, it's a great uh, 
practice, you know, great, great trial to, to get some live looks uh, when it don't necessarily count, you know. Um, the more you can do, can do those things and fine tune, get chemistry with the guy next to you, it's definitely beneficial. An opportunity to build that chemistry for an offensive line that has had so much work together. We talked about, you know, those front five guys really being the guys from going back to OTAs. And you have to imagine that continuity can certainly help. And I thought we saw some of that today. Speaking of guys we are familiar with around here, Solomon Kinley, after a really damn good game on Saturday, was awesome today. I thought he's using that frame to withstand the initial pass rush move and then dropping that big anchor of his and locking guys out. Uh, at the at the point of you know decision, the the point where it really matters, he played his tail off on Saturday, carrying over to this week. Get curious to get a good look at him in the game on Saturday uh, against these Eagles. Then I thought Dieter was really good today. He had maybe the best of the one on one drills of anybody I saw. And again, I cannot watch them all at once, but he showed really well in that arena. Let's go ahead and get to the defense. And man, were they good too? Jalen Phillips was in the orange jersey today. And the way he played, he might have earned it again for tomorrow. By the way, I kind of stopped doing the predictions just randomly. Didn't mean to, just kind of forgot about it. But uh, he was my pick for today. So there's another one, the, uh, another feather in the cap. My pick for tomorrow is Tua. He was, <laughs> he was good, man. Uh, back to Phillips, he was on one. He wasn't letting blocks get into his frame. He was disengaging at the point of attack. He fell back into coverage and broke up a pass at one point. So you kind of see the three-aspect nature of his game there. And then he ended the day with back-to-back sacks on Jalen Hurts to essentially ruin any hope of them getting that field goal to quote-unquote win the game. Let's go ahead and hear from Jalen on the pass rush and if he thinks he got credit for those sacks at the end there. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I got to watch the film. I think I got to him, but that's up to the rest to decide. So, um, But with him, you know, playing against a guy who can run the ball, who can pass the ball, uh, it just makes you honor all aspects of his game. Um, and so it's definitely good work for us because there's plenty of other quarterbacks out there like that. So we need to get that practice. Yeah, not bad, Jalen. Not bad at all. So then Emmanuel Ogba, and the thing I said about Tua with the lights shining the brightest and getting his best. So he closed out joint practices last year with the Bears and the Falcons with sacks. Did the same thing back in Tampa Bay. And today he was with Jalen on one of those sacks. He had another one earlier in practice and did the exact same thing I mentioned with Jalen against the run. 91 was sharp as hell today. And you heard Jalen talking about how Hurts will kind of challenge you in, in all areas of the defense or of your defensive plan. Again, we saw all three aspects of that from both these guys in this practice today. And same with Melvin Ingram, man. I saw that man getting knocked back against the run with consistency. And then I saw him driving on two separate passes for breakups. One he damn near picked. All three of those guys were so dominant. And that was with Andrew Van Ginkle having a vet day off today. So like, that edge position, this team, whoo-wee, boy. That played well with Jerome Baker and Alandon Roberts, who I thought did well to scrape and greet ball carriers in their respective gaps and fit those gaps. Egbovon and Riley had some plays in that regard. A lot of that worked off of the work by Christian Wilkins, who was in the backfield again with regularity, mixing things up as well and getting his trash talk in. Zach Sealer and Raekwon Davis stacked things up and were tough to move. Same deal for John Jenkins. You know, I knew about Jenk in the running game coming into the season, but that dude has walked guys back into the quarterback's lap all summer long. His pass rush is really looking nice this summer. And then finally, in the secondary, Javon Holland had one of those quiet days where he didn't really get the splash play, but he was running off verticals, driving on crossers, playing that robber role, coming down the line of scrimmage and impacting the game that way. He was just involved in making sure the Eagles never got deep. They did hit two long passes that I saw, one from Minshew, 
go kooks, to a target I did not see on what looked like a coverage bust. The other was a 50-50 play with Devontae Smith working on Nick Needham. He's so good, Devontae Smith. He made one hell of a play and caught the ball through contact, through the DPI. And But other than that, the coverage was super good. Daniel Oyafusi of the Miami Herald, one of my favorite guys to watch practice with, he said that he watched almost exclusively the defense today, and he thought the coverage was exceptional all day long. Cater Cahoog had a pick, uh, pick in 7-on-7, seven seven, not a pick 6. Doesn't happen. Uh, picks in that drill don't happen, but he got one. Good work for the rookie. Eric Rowe was in good shape covering all kinds of tight ends today. Brandon Jones made his plays down around the line of scrimmage, including the first play of the day where Phillips, almost forgot about this, Phillips beats a block and flushes Hertz and then proceeds to keep up with him right on his back step for step to the point that Hertz couldn't like put that foot in the ground and cut up because if he did, there's number 15 in the pursuit right after him. And then coming from depth is number 29, and he comes about four yards behind the line and shuts that thing down. Of course, you're not going to hit the quarterback, but if, if it was live, it would have been a big collision uh, with Hertz and Jones. It just reminded me of that rep that Phillips had last year against Lamar Jackson where he chased him out of bounds in that Thursday night game. So that's, that's about it. The run offense didn't get much going against this Eagles front. Uh, they had some good success in the pass rush one-on-ones in certain instances as well. They made some plays in the second-team offense, I thought, and got after the Dolphins' second-team offensive line with their own pass rush and some sacks on Teddy. I had three sacks on Teddy, one on Skyler, one on Tua, so five total, but again, only one of those against the ones. Um, but yeah, the run offense it didn't get going much today except for those few runs we mentioned. But in, in total, I would say it was probably like seven and a half to two and a half on the scorecard in the favor of the Dolphins, uh, especially on that first team against first team. Good stuff from the Dolphins in this first of two joint practices. We have another one with the Eagles tomorrow. We have more media to cover here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and take our last break and come back and hear more from Tua, Jalen Phillips, Teron Armstead, and Emmanuel Ogba. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. Brought to you by AutoNation. Finishing up here on a Wednesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We have Twitter Spaces tonight in just a couple of hours. Getting late here on the podcast. Don't forget to check that out. 8.30 tonight, half hour later, with me, Juice, and Seth. And both those guys were at practice, so six eyeballs worth of perspective. Let's go back to Tua Tungavailoa, and he was asked a question about what's different this year and why you're feeling that confidence, that poise, that deliberate nature. Here's Tua on the differences this year compared to last year. I don't know, everything, everything. Uh, offense is different. The confidence that the guys have coming out to practice is different. The confidence that the guys have coming into the building is different. Uh, you know, the way we do things around the building is different. Just just everything. I, I can't necessarily point point to one thing. Um, and I think that's what's going to help uh, make us a, a, a better team is, you know, us spending more time with each other, uh, not just in the building, but outside the building. And we'll see where, where this thing goes for us. Let's go back to Teron Armstead here. And you might recall Coach McDaniel on Tuesday, I think it was, talking to the media about how in the running game, in the game on Saturday, it was just one or two things that went wrong for the running game to not get cranking. And you look at that first play of the game, like Chase Edmonds had a massive wineback lane if we could just get that edge blocked off that left side. And I think Coach saw that. Teron's talking about it because here he is discussing where the running game needs to get better. One or two things, fine, fine-tune those. Could be off to the races. Uh, it's a play. It's a play-by-play um, critique or criticism. You know, we, we critique that play. We go to the next. We run, execute. We critique that play. 
So uh, in order to, to make a uh, run game effective in, in this league, all 11 got to be on the same page. So uh, whenever one person is off, two people off, usually not a good play. Um, so we're just trying to fine tune that, fine tune all the details of small things. Our run game is a, is a huge part of everything we're trying to do. So it's got to be a point of emphasis, a focus for us, building our foundation of our offense. And how can you help that foundation? Well, you can certainly attempt to throw the football to a couple of speedsters and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Here's Teron on the impact those guys have on the offense and the running game. Listen, having 10 and 17 in there at the same time, you can't put eight, nine in a box. I mean, unless you just, you can't, do, you, you know, uh, you wouldn't be smart. Um, so it's working hand to hand. So having those guys in there, taking, taking some of that safety support out, then us being effective and efficient, making them have to bring that safety down so they can get one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Like I say, we marry these things together. We got a chance to, to be explosive. Let's go to the other side of the ball and hear from Jalen Phillips again, who was asked about the difference between joint practices in Tampa Bay versus the Philadelphia Eagles here. And he talks about, let's just go ahead and let him talk about it. Uh, different schemes, definitely, but the intensity is there. Uh, and I think that's what's important. Like, we're just trying to come out here, push our conditioning, uh, and just get better every day. So that's kind of similar in that sense. Hey, don't cut him off. Let's get one more here from Jalen Phillips when he was asked about where he feels he is now compared to this time last year and the growth he's made from year one to year two. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel more prepared, um, both mentally and physically, uh, but just still continuously trying to get better every day. I have a lot of room to grow, a lot of things to work on in my game. Uh, and so every day is a challenge to come out here, not think about the future, not think about the past, um, and just really be dedicated to trying to improve like all those little aspects. Let's go from one edge defender to another here in Emmanuel Ogba. He talked a little bit about the emphasis of practice being to hem Jalen Hurts into the pocket. They did a pretty good job of that and just defending him in general. But I want to play this clip about the complementary nature of a football team. There was a couple of questions today posed to the guys about can the defense carry the offense if they're slower to start? And they weren't really having that. Let's go ahead and hear Emmanuel Ogba on that question. This is a team sport, you know. If we struggled on giving up pass play, then it's a D-line. D-line didn't get back fast enough. Uh... Or the DB didn't cover long enough. So it's, it's, it's a team game, you know. If one struggle, we all struggle. So. All right, there you have it. Fun podcast, fun day here at the Baptist Health Training Complex in the Baptist Health Studios. You know how we do it. Uh, that's going to be it for my time in the podcast. We have spaces tonight at 8.30 on Twitter. Myself, Seth, and OJ, get in there, fire some questions at us. We'll talk all things Dolphins-Eagles joint practices. Also check out the Fish Tank podcast. That's out every single Tuesday. Cleo Lemon there latest guest also the written notebook up on miamidolphins.com check that out please subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating leave us a review i don't ask for much but if you guys can pop in there and give us a five-star review there's a couple of one stars in there i don't agree with if you guys want to go ahead and bury those for me i'd really appreciate it uh go ahead and take care of that subscribe i did the fish tank i did the, uh follow me on twitter at winkle nfl follow the team at miami dolphins check out the youtube channel for the media availabilities and of course miamidolphins.com for the photo gallery written notebook and much more till next time fins up caroline daddy's coming home